We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. How you doing, Jack? I'm in Australia now, Nick. First pod, uh, Brooklyn Buzz pod being recorded one part from Australia, so that's fun. But uh, what isn't fun is seeing the Nets lose whenever I land in a new location. That's, <laughs> not, that's not as fun. Yeah, Jack had to suffer through his travel which was up to 24 hours, and then he gets done, and then he sees the Nets lost to the Sacramento Kings. Oh, you know, we didn't lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State <laughs> Warriors, not even the Toronto Raptors, even the Portland Trail Blazers, but Sacramento Kings, probably, in my opinion, one of the worst teams in the league. You look at the roster, it's terrible. Four straight loss for the Nets, and it's been bad. The last four games yeah. have really brought us back down to earth after having a, a really nice stretch where – the Nets were two and a half games out of the playoff seating, looking like it was a real possibility, especially with the way the team was playing. Now, it does not look like that team at all. Not. And it, and it sucks. It does, Nick. And I remember mentioning uh, on the pre- one of the previous outlets, maybe not the last one, but the one before which I appeared on, and in the Word Association game, I think it was horrible you came up with. And the immediate thought was the Kings. <laughs> I don't I don't associate my Brooklyn Nets with being horrible, um, at least not within the context of this season. Um, like you mentioned, we started December really well. We won four or six, um, but our recent poor vein of form has us losing four in a row, which is the second longest losing streak in the league behind the Orlando Magic, who have lost six in a row. So not the best company to be in when, you, when you're chucking in all Orlando Magic, though they started the season well, similar to us. Um, so I guess with teams like us and the Magic, there's always going to be those inconsistencies. But the thing that we love most about our Nets is almost being lost in this in this uh, previous few games, Nick. You know, 
that grit that we love, the sort of consistency, the effort just doesn't seem there. We're not engaged. Um, and that's not what the Kenny Atkinson teams are known for. Yeah, it's definitely watching them play is is not been fun. And it's not like we know this isn't a super talented team. So like missing a ton of shots and things like that, you know, you don't get as mad about that. It's when you don't play hard and you don't do things the right way and you don't play at the level that we expect from you and that we've already seen you play at. It'd be different if the Nets were, you know, had five wins at this point and they didn't, you know, do anything and they've been terrible all year. But they've showed us flashes of being a competitive team, not in the sense that they're going to be in the playoffs for sure, but in the sense that every game they're in, they're going to be in into the last two minutes and they're going to have a shot to win it. And yeah. that just had, they've had, they had a shot against the Kings, but it just felt like even if they won that game, I would have not said the Nets played well. Yeah, they picked up the energy in the second half, but they still played terrible. Allowing the Kings to shoot, I think they shot 76% in the first quarter is atrocious. Like, yeah, they were hot, but allowing a team with that limited amount of talent it, to shoot the way they did is just pitiful. They yeah, didn't even and, make life hard for them at all, and that's what that what makes it frustrating. They're not a good team. Make life hard on them. And the fact that we mentioned before recording it, the fact that they're coming up, they're on a road trip, and they're coming off a back-to-back, we should be the ones that have the extra energy, the extra juice, as you like to say. But it just wasn't the case. And against one of the worst teams in the NBA, it's, it's unacceptable. It's an unacceptable yep. effort. We like to stay really positive on the Brooklyn Buzz, but at times you can't help but not be. Um, there's still positives, obviously, to take out of some of these stretches, you know, with the integration of staffs because we've obviously liked a little bit but other than that there haven't been really many positives to take from this recent losing streak yeah agreed i think this episode like you said we usually try to stay positive on here because you know we know the nets aren't an amazing team but we know the future's bright today might be a little bit more of a venting session so we're not going to talk directly about the games today we'll talk a little bit topic since last time we spoke we like we mentioned the nets lost to the kings at home 99 104 they lost to the pacers 97 109 but before we get into our topics, just a reminder, you can always listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. But one thing that's been really buzzing in the Nets, Nets Twitter lately has been the fact that uh, Okafor hasn't been playing. You know, he has yep. five uh, d- um, coaches' decisions, you know, didn't play. Two of those games, though, he was the Nets were in Mexico City, so I don't count them. But a lot of talk on that. Atkinson and Marks have pointed to the fact, not direct quotes, but saying pretty much Okafor is not going to play until he's conditioned and he knows the system. And obviously that's not the case at the moment. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is a really tricky one, Nick, because we had Okafor coming out the other day, um, almost taking shots at the Philadelphia 76ers and their training staff for the fact that they didn't leave him in game conditioning. Now, obviously that's going to be the case when you're having that many DNPs for the Sixers squad. Um, But Kenny Atkinson mentioned there's a difference between game conditioning and NBA conditioning for most people. And he's in okay shape. And, and he was um, marked for having going into this preseason with really good shape. He's on this new vegan diet and stuff. But also the fact that for big guys like him, it's, it's even more of a struggle. Like right now, um, Coach Kenny has been active in you know, having that conversation with him. And it's not like it's uh, what coach is saying, no, you've got to get like this. It's, it's, it's one-way street. Jalil recognizes it and they, they're sort of working collaboratively to sort of get him to that point because, as he said, he wants to get to the point where he can play 25, 30 minutes and help the team win. But uh, I saw around the Twitter sphere and, and on social media, Nick, do you reckon that we send Jalil Okafor to the G League or is that a bit premature? I don't think it's necessary quite yet. <clears throat> I, I got a lot to say, I think, about this topic. Seen a lot, a lot of Nets fans upset the fact that Okafor is not playing. 
but I truly believe the Nets are worried about his psyche a little bit, and they want to make sure they put him in the best possible condition to succeed. So they yep. know that you know things might have not worked out in Philly. They don't want to just throw him out on the floor. You saw a little bit in that Raptors game. He really didn't know what's going on, and then this whole conditioning thing. Yo, if you're not in shape and you're trying to play in the net system when they're playing well, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You yeah. know, if you don't, if you're not in shape to run up and down the floor, and like you mentioned, Okafor is a big dude. Like when you're that big, it's already harder to stay conditioned. And especially in a system where there's a ton of movement all the time, like you always have to be busy. You, you want to make sure he's in shape. You don't want to put him out there where he's going to possibly get hurt or he's just going to be out of shape and get run all over. Some in a little bit in that Raptors game, it's hard to really take a lot away from that because it was only one game and only a little bit of time. But he did look fatigued, and it seemed like he was dropping back so far on pick and rolls. And the Nets obviously do that a lot in general; it's probably part of their scheme. But he just seemed to be out of position a lot of times. So I'm okay. Like, what does it matter really if you think about it? Like, the Nets aren't going to make the playoffs right now. We're in a terrible stretch. We need D'Angelo Russell to really do anything special this season. He's yeah. out, and Okafor like. We'll see him when he's ready. I'm not that concerned about seeing him right now. What he brings to the table isn't necessarily going to help the Nets anyways. Their defense has been garbage. Okafor is not a defensive stud. Yeah, he'll give us some post touches, but he's not even going to know where his teammates are to pass the ball if he doesn't know the system and he doesn't have any chemistry. So let the guy work in. Let him get in shape. And not only did he not play this season, but he's coming off injury the previous year. His minutes were always kind of messed up, and maybe he was never really conditioned right in Philly in the first place. Yeah. And those are all completely fair points, Nick. And for you mentioned uh, the pace that we play at. We're third in the NBA for pace. And on any given night, we're, we're up there always in the top three. Even at a point early in the season, we were first. So Jalil just doesn't necessarily fit that right now. And Coach Kenny mentioned his, and, this, and I quote, it's not like going to put you on some mount and you're going to be running. We're going to do this together. And Coach Kenny's known for being really active in his sessions with his players, being one-on-one, being really hands-on. So I can see Coach Kenny really, because he, he we know and love Coach Kenny for his, um, his hands-on approach. His player development is a real asset of his. So I think if anyone's going to get the best out of Okafor, it's going to be him. Now, it may take a time, like you mentioned, but I- I'm like you. I'm-, I'm willing to be patient with this because, I mean, we're not going to be – we're not pushing for a playoff spot. We have no – you know, we don't have our own draft pick this year. There's no real incentive to push him out there and just chuck him out there for 15 minutes a night and, like, have him a, a chicken with its head cut off. Um, I- exactly. I think the patient approach – the patient approach is the right way to go, Nick. We're patient people at Brooklyn and here in Australia and out in New York. So patience is a virtue. Like oh. nothing's going to change. And at the end of the day, it probably benefits the Nets because if he really works his way up and the Nets help him become the player he wants to be, he's going to want to stay in Brooklyn. The Nets yeah. went and got him. They traded for him. They made a move for him. Obviously, it worked out for both parties in a sense. But I think Okafor already is starting to build that communication and that relationship with the Brooklyn organization. He is a free agent at the end of the year. And you mentioned not having the draft pick. Yo, if Okafor works out, that is like getting a lottery pick right there. Like, I think people are still, like, really sleeping on him. Like, there is talent there. Somebody just has to bring it out and find a way to make it work in the system. And and that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be great with the Nets. But he still does have offensive talent being a seven-footer the way he is. There is a place for him in the NBA. He just has to want to be that person, and, they, and he has to find that role on the right team. Yeah, and I think the return of D'Lo at some stage of season as well, Nick, if they can coincide with their returns, or if Jalil can have some form by the time D'Lo comes back, I think that's really going to benefit him. I think one thing Jalil needs to really work on is, is his post-presence. That's one of his key attributes of being like one of his offensive skill sets. 
He doesn't seem, well, obviously in the limited time we've seen him, he doesn't get close enough to the basket. He doesn't establish that real key presence. Now, that's probably a big in part due to his conditioning. doesn't really have that strength, doesn't have that sort of NBA presence energy. right now, that energy uh, that he needs to sort of get up and back down on the floor, back on offense, back on defense, because it's, it's a heck of a task, especially when you, um, you know, Tyler Zeller has learned really well, and I think he's been underrated with how good he is this year. Now, that's a positive. Now, I think that's one thing that Jalil can learn from. Tyler Zeller isn't by any stretch by have the offensive capabilities or ceiling that Jalil has, yet he is functioning really well in our current system. So if a guy like him, Tyler Zeller can, who's had a great season by his standards, then Jalil Okafor is going to have all the opportunity in the world. Exactly. And I think that's another thing that uh, people, especially people that don't watch the Nets, are like, oh, why is it Okafor playing like they have nobody? Like, first off, Zeller has done a solid job. He's not never yeah. going to be a world beater or anything, but he still does a solid job in the sense that he's going to be in the right place. He's going to help the other guys do their job. And then Jared Allen, like people don't know this, he's our rookie and he's, you know, has a bright future. Like I would probably, like we talked about, I think on the previous Brooklyn Buzz, invest more into Jared Allen than we would in Okafor just because, you know, uh, Allen has that clean slate, that athleticism, that wingspan, and he's still like such a raw prospect that we could turn him into what we want him to be, and he's such a better fit for the current NBA. Not saying Okafor won't work out, but there's a reason Jared Allen is playing minutes. Yeah, definitely. And Tyler Zeller right now for us, Nick, is, our, is second in effective field goal percentage behind Stauskas, who's only played three games for us. So he's taking the right shots, and he's developed that really good chemistry with Spencer Dinwiddie, who's had his up-and-down moments in the month of December. But, you know, I'm all on Tyler Zeller, and I'm, I'm happy with what we're getting out of our big men because, as we mentioned early in, um, early in the season with our Brooklyn Buzz, the fact that the center position was such a weakness, right now we've got almost like a glut of bigs that all have something to offer in a different sort of way. Yeah. But you mentioned before D'Angelo Russell's return. We still don't really know where he's at. I think uh, Marks was on the W fan or something, you know, a local New York radio this morning. Yep. Didn't really give us any more of a timetable. A lot of rumor and report is maybe sometime late January we could see D'Lo. Hopefully at least by February. A nice birthday gift for myself would be the return of D'Angelo. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the meme I made yesterday. I thought of you when I created it. Uh, favorite cartoon as a kid, X-Men. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a scene in X-Men with Wolverine is holding a picture of Jean Grey and he's looking at it like he's sad uh, and misses yeah. her. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I replaced that picture with D'Angelo Russell. I feel you, man. I feel you. I'm, I'm, I'm missing him as much as you are. Um, like, I mean, I love his suits. I love his swag. Um, but I'd much rather have I like his glasses. I love his glasses. glasses are tough. Yeah, him, him and Damari have some... Like, the Brooklyn the Brooklyn swag has gone to a new level. But I'd much rather see that on-court swag, that on-court ice in his veins. Because um, as recently as early December, when he was asked, um, I think while on the Mexico trip, he's been saying, yeah, he's been saying all the right things. Yeah, it's going well. Um, I'd rather I'd be back, rather be back sooner rather than later, but I don't want to rush. Um, at that stage, he wasn't running yet. Um, and he's been just doing some sort of strength work with his his lower body, like in this hamstring and, and calves and such. So, um, and the thing is, he was saying that he doesn't want to just be able to run. He wants to be able to be NBA ready and, you know, being able to stop and start and have that agility, obviously because that's a huge part of Delo's game, especially with running an offense like us. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's baby steps for him. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll know as soon as everyone else does. Um, but at the same time, you know, San Antonio with Kawhi Leonard, it was just like, it was like a few months before. It was like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to play tomorrow night. 
Now, I don't think that that's going to happen with Deal. I think we're going to be probably a bit more clearer. Um, but at the same time, I, I want him back for, for February as well. Maybe even a Valentine's Day present to me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, you, you hinted at a great point. The Spurs with Kawhi Leonard. That's what you can expect from the Nets with handling a player's injury. Marks is from the Spurs organization. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you can expect with D'Angelo. And honestly, like I said, I don't really mind. A lot of people are pissed off about it in the communication. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. And secondly, it's a competitive edge. That's what they want to do. They don't want people to know their business. Who cares? You know, we want to know. But at the end of the day, he's coming back when he comes back. Nothing's going to change that. Yeah, and as long as he's back healthy and this communication, the communication between player and front office is is going fine, then that's all that really matters. Like, as much as the fans are, are heavily invested into the progress of this team, and we are as much as anyone, we do a bloody podcast about this awesome team. <laughs> but uh, I think as long as D'Lo's happy with where things are at, and he has been, and Sean Marks is happy where things are at, and he has been, then it's all gravy. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, D'Lo will be back sooner rather than later. And, you know, we miss we miss him so much. We miss him more than Wolverine does. I think. I think we need almost something like uh, I, I can't even think of off the top of my head right now. I, I think we, I, I miss him more than I'm going to miss um, Hugh Jackman as as Wolverine. Um, it's just it, I mean, I'll, I'm, shout out to all the Aussies out there. Shout out <laughs> to anyone who, who hasn't seen Logan yet because that's one of the best films this year. Wolverine's so my favorite all time character ever in terms of Marvel comics. I'm still mad at Hugh Jackman though at the moment because. This is so off topic, but uh, Disney just bought Fox's movie rights for the rest of the Marvel yes. movies. So they have yeah. X-Men and they asked Hugh if he'd come back to do Wolverine in, you know, one of the future Avenger movies. And he said, no. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Oh. That hurts. I mean, but, he's, he's, I'm seeing a movie with mum uh, while I'm down here. The Greatest Showman, where mm-hmm. he's sort of like a, a, bit of like a bit of like a musical. So it's back yep. to sort of his old days. But um, we love Hugh in, in any and every role. Shout out to him. But um, Nick, another point guard who's sort of been struggling a little bit um, in Dilo's absence. He's had his ups and downs this year. Um, he's been probably one of our brightest spots. But in the past few games, Spencer Dinwiddie has been showing um, some lapses in his form. What do you think the reasons for it is? Honestly, I truly believe this. And I just, this is what I think. I don't know. Spencer knows better than me. He could have personal issues going on. But I think he's fatigued. I think mentally yeah. and physically, he's a little bit fatigued. I've mentioned this to you before. He's not used to playing these minutes. He's not used to this wear and tear. Like as much as you condition in the off season, you're not playing an NBA game where you're getting banged around and he gets banged around. He gets his fair share of fouls. Um, I also think it's a little bit of teams starting to kind of have a better idea of his skill set. and, you know, seeing a lot more tape on him. He's not yeah. as much of a surprise. And when I mentioned this on a Brooklyn buzz pod, I talk to you about this all the time. The Nets really only have two true ball handlers that can make things happen on the offense and run the show, and it's Dinwiddie and Lavert. And when it's only one or two guys like that, it's so easy to key on. That's why well, right now the Nets' best lineup is probably when Dinwiddie and Lavert are out there together. Yeah, because they can they can they can work off each other. And I've got a few stats, Nick. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna make this like a compliment sandwich, where it's like okay. good, bad, good. So he's tenth in the league in total assists with 190. That's impressive. So the part, it is very good for a guy who many thought would never ever make it in the NBA. Um, the negative, the past five games, he shot seven of 39 from three, which is a pretty poor 18%. A lot of bad and, shots too. That's one thing I'll say yeah. about Dinwiddie too. His shot selection has been questionable lately. He's yeah, been trying he's to draw so, too many three-point fouls. 
definitely. And you know, he's not James Harden in that respect. And they're not calling that shot as much anymore. Exactly. Um, also, before December, he only had more than two turnovers per, in a game once. In the nine games that we've had in December so far, he's done that four times. So that's one area that we know Spencer to be really, really good at, um, being able to take care of the ball. But in the month of December, and especially the past few games, he's really struggled in that area. To end with the positive, he is sixth in the league in assist percentage. Now, to be top 10 in, in such a category is... Impressive. The, uh, impressive alone. But for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, in a team like the, the Brooklyn Nets, who aren't you know, the Houston Rockets or Golden State or Cleveland Cavaliers or Boston, is something that's really huge. So... You know, there are positives and negatives to his game, but we know sort of that where the weaknesses have been. And, you know, that's going to come with inconsistencies with the team. And especially when you've got, like you said, Nick, you're the number one guy basically right now in the absence of D'Lo. Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned the turnovers picking up. I think that has something to do with mental fatigue. Like, yeah. honestly, being asked to do the right thing all the time so much, it just puts so much pressure on him. And the fact, like I said, defense is king on him more. It's just making life a lot more difficult. And part of it is, like, people are getting mad at him for his shot selection, and I understand. But at the end of the day, when you look at the Nets roster, if it's not Karis LeVert making the play, like I said, who else is going to go out and get a bucket? Yeah. Oh, can't really uh-huh. do that. Rondé's done it a little bit, but he's inconsistent. When when Rondé has a bad matchup in the post, he can't score. Like, for example, Willie Colley-Stein is a tough matchup for him because he's just as athletic as Rondé is, so that quickness factor isn't there. So it makes it so much harder for him, and when he's not effective, the Nets lose that own, really their only solid ISO score in Rondé. Yeah, and we know that Alan, that's one thing that we've been um, heavily on for Alan Crabb, his shot creation off the dribble. That's one thing that really needs to improve. He's been okay in some of these games, actually, to, in, in fair respect. He got us back in a couple of those um, narrow losses, but the fact is we need another guy, whether it's we go to the G League where we go to like a Milton Doyle or Isaiah Whitehead gets more consistent minutes. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know what the solution is, Nick. What, do you have anything for me? Uh, I think it's tough. Um, the solution is probably just D'Angelo coming back. Obviously, Milton Doyle might help because he's shown a little, little bit of ability to create for himself, give him maybe a score. I don't think he'll yeah. see minutes right away. He's probably got to work in. Obviously, he probably knows the system a little bit, but they probably want to work him in. I'm kind of, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen Isaiah Whitehead a little bit more. Kenny loves him. He shows good effort defensively. He does make a lot of stupid plays on the court, but he plays mad hard, and he brings energy instantly. Like, Isaiah Whitehead is a guy, if I was a coach, I might not play him big minutes, but I might just play him for, like, six minutes randomly in a quarter just to give my team some energy, especially when the Nets come out on these lulls. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing Whitehead in there because one thing you can do, regardless, I'd be like, yo, Whitehead, pick him up full court. If anything, that takes the rhythm out of their offense just the tiniest bit. It still does something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I remember, I, I, was it the Houston Rockets game where he was at one of our key players where we had a Yeah, ball? yeah. He had a nice game. Yeah, we had, he had all- a couple of nice moments so far this season where it's surprising where the minutes that he's played, he's done enough where you're like, all right, maybe you should give him a few more. Yeah, and we've been, early in the season, we were maybe a little bit too hard on him just due to his, his youth. And obviously, when D'Lo is healthy, we, we saw the fact that where he was in the pecking order. But right now, with our lack of uh, ball handlers, our lack of any sort of shot creator, now Isaiah Whitehead isn't going to really revolutionize anything in that respect, but he is another body to have out there. And you'd much rather have a guy like him who you know what you're going to get and who sort of provides you know those intangibilities in terms of hustle and energy, which we've lacked in a lot of our losses lately. Yep. Um, and the back and forth between the G League and, and the and the regular team probably can't be good as well for his energy and consistency and even his mindset. 
But even with that, he's been, you know, he's been giving his, his all. And you cannot question his effort or his engagement or his intensity. So I would also like to see a bit of Isaiah. Um, I really like what he gives um, night in, night out when he's out there. I think, honestly, the whole the rotation's going to have to change for the Nets to really improve. I think yeah. there might have to be some lineup changes, even starting possibly changing a lineup. Um, I think uh, right now with the not having Trevor Booker, we didn't really talk on this yet, but Booker was a nice piece for this team. He was our most consistent big. He brought energy. He did a lot of little things that you know are on notice in the stat book. So I think losing him has really hurt the team. And I think uh, Kenny's going to have to really mess with the rotations. Right now, like this is off topic, but I mean, it's moving on to our next topic kind of. Quincy Ace has been bad. Like yeah. he's been bad. He can't shoot the three ball. He doesn't bring much value to the team. Like you mentioned to me off air, the intensity's not there. Those hustle plays aren't there. He tries to pump fake on the three when he hasn't hit a three in like 10 shots. No one's right. biting. He puts the ball on the floor. He's the reason we didn't even have an opportunity to win the game yesterday when he fumbled that ball. He might have got fouled, but still. Like he shouldn't have been on the floor. That's for another day. But I think AC has to come out of the rotation, and that means that you have to play Rondé, Carroll, and maybe Jared Allen a little bit at the four. And that means you might have to change the starting lineup. You have a lot of wings. Use them. Yep. Yep. Like, I, I would have surprised, like, Stauskas could play a little bit more to take up some of those minutes. I think your boy Joe Harris has done everything in his power to earn more minutes. Like, it's hard for me. Joe, ha Joe Harris has such, you know, you could see his ceiling, but the amount of effort he plays with, and he does things out of character all the time where he'll make shots that are so tough. Alan Kraft should take a lesson from him in terms of driving to the lane hard because Definitely. he seems to get to the rim where so Alan Kraft seems to always pull up for these teardrops and miss or miss layups at the rim. So I think a whole rotation change needs to happen. I also think Kenny needs to kind of adjust things. When someone's playing bad, it might hurt their confidence a little bit, but don't play them in crunch time. Like Alan Crabb, he's been picking up a ton of crunch time minutes, even when he's shooting like one for 10. Then you have somebody like Joe Harris last night against the Kings who's having a hot game, doing things on both ends of the floor. You take him out and you put in Crabb, and Crabb airballs a damn three. Yeah, it, it hurts, Nick. And uh, shout out to Joe Harris because also the all-star vote has opened on NBA.com. Make sure you give a vote to my man, Joe Harris. Um, and voting on Twitter and social media starts on Christmas. So as a Christmas present to me, Nets fans, make sure you vote for my boy, Joe Harris. Um, if not, we'll try and get him in the three-point contest somehow. I don't know whether we can vote for that, but I don't think it's a thing. But uh, get that NBA vote for uh, Joe Harris. But yeah, Nick, Quincy Acey, um, his numbers, his offensive efficiency has just dropped off the face of the earth. 33% from three this season, 31.4% from the field, an effective field goal percentage of 44%, and a PER of 6.4. Now, to put that into context, the league average is around 15. So he's just not efficient in any of his play. Um, we mentioned off air the fact that his intangibilities that he provided in the past season or two, season and a half, where he was, he was showing grit, he was able to get deflections, he was diving on loose balls. He's almost lost that completely, and he's trying to completely focus on this sort of becoming this stretch four that isn't really his identity. Whereas last year, and when he's at his best, he sort of balances, has a nice balance of both. That balance has gone way askew, and it's not working for the team, and it's not working for him. Um, Coach Kenny wants more out of him. He wants more out of himself. Um, I think, you know, we can't, we can't wait for him to become better. It's it's affecting us in a in a really negative way. And he's like you mentioned, team. it's hurting everyone, and a rotation needs to be made. If he's hot on nights, Coach Kenny, yeah, leave him out there. Um, but Coach Kenny seems to be a bit weird with his rotations, as you mentioned. So um, I think we'll just have to play it by ear. And 
you know, if there's a matchup that we can exploit, if there's junk time minutes available, yeah, Chuck Quincy out there. But I'd much rather see my boy Joe getting those extra five minutes than him. Yeah, honestly, like you look at it, and I know a lot of people have attacked Kenny about his rotations. And obviously, you know, there's been good time like last night playing AC and crunch time is not one of his smartest moves. But I think one thing to defend Kenny Atkinson a little bit is when you look at the roster, there's only so many combinations. There's yeah. only so many, you know, things he could put together without playing anybody in excessive amount of minutes. Even when you play with the Nets in 2K, like there's only so many things you can do. Like you mentioned, we have so many centers. We can only play really one center at a time, especially in our system, the way the NBA is. Yeah. So if you had to change the starting lineup, what would you change it to? Uh, I would have uh, – I, I, would, I would make – I'm all about Stauskas and, and Harris. For me, there are two best three-point shooters. Most, I mean, Stauskas has done it over a very short time period. Harris, on the other hand, has not. I would have those two guys out there not necessarily starting, but having some consistent crunch time minutes. You want to see what you can get out of Stauskas, whereas you know what you can get from Joe Harris. I think both of those two guys, and I remember in the Toronto game, the last game I watched in person, um, not, not fully in person, but on, on television, that Stauskas was handling the ball decently. Joe Harris can get to the line decently. And I think it, minutes need to be earned, not just given out. And I think at times, due to the fact that we have um, guys on larger contracts like Mozgov and Crab. They're sort of given them purely because of the fact that they're elevated in, in the status due to their contract. I don't think that they deserve yeah. that in a sense. Whereas um, we're not the not to sort of compare to like the Lakers. You look at Luol Deng right now. He's on eighteen million dollars a year for the next four years. He hasn't played a minute since because guys like Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and the like are playing so much better. Larry Nance Jr. Whereas Coach Kenny f- is trying to figure out what works best. I still don't think he knows what works best, Nick. Yeah, I don't think we know either. We Nobody really knows because this team, I think it's easy to forget. Like this team is so new. Like all these pieces haven't played together for so long. They just happened to get hot at the right time earlier where they were able to squeeze out some wins. Like you look at a team like OKC with super talented guys trying to come together. It doesn't happen that fast. I agree though. I think Crab, and I don't know this for a fact. Obviously, we don't see the practice. We don't see how hard he works, how talented he really is. But I feel like at times he is given the green light just because he's that big contract guy and they have high hopes for him. And Hey, that might not be wrong because if he does work out, he would be a great asset. I wouldn't mind seeing crab move back to the bench and putting Joe Harris in the starting lineup. Yeah. I'm not saying that because I like Joe Harris like so much more. I think crab might benefit a little bit from getting some of the weaker bench defenders right now. It's been really tough for him to get open. And I think if he's able to kind of get open and get some better shots, he's been taking a lot of deep threes or contested threes. So finding him a better rhythm is a possibility. I also wouldn't mind considering Karis Levert in the starting lineup. Obviously you'd really have to stagger Dinwiddie and Levert's minutes, or you consider the fact of playing Whitehead a few minutes at point guard, not a ton, just a little bit. But I think the ultimate thing is comes to the fact that you might have to bench uh, Damari or Rondé. Now, not because of the way they're playing, just because you need a power forward for the second unit. Unless you can figure out a way to stagger their minutes. In my brain, ideally what I would want, I would want Carroll or Rondé at the four at all times. AC, I just don't see the value in playing him right now. The Nets' best bet is to play fast and small in every aspect, you know, defensively, offensively, getting the pace moving. And I think just the fact of playing two bigs at any point is really going to hurt them. So I would try to find some combination where I, I have at least three three three-point shooters on the floor at all times. Yeah. I so I'm maybe 
Yeah, and then maybe I take your guy Nick Stauskas, hot sauce that you love, and mix him with crab on the bench, and then I'm maybe able to play Jared Allen and Rondé together because I don't have to worry about the spacing as much because crab and Stauskas are pulling so hard, you know, in either direction in terms of spacing wise. And then I have my point guard, who obviously all of our all of our guards can shoot threes respectively, even Isaiah Whitehead to some extent. So yeah. I'm, it's just hard for me to bench Rondé though. I'd have to figure out a way maybe to stagger their minutes. Yeah, with like Demari and Rondé, because you don't want to oh. bench Rondé in terms of his no. you know, his like co- confidence, but or you bench Demari and think about it, but you don't want to bench him either. But it's tough because you have to do what's best for the team. And I think Definitely. right now the only two power forwards that I want to see on the court for the Nets are Carroll and Rondé. Yeah, no, no. I'm other also part. like super. Yeah, I'm also as you know super spacer. Like I'm all about spacing pace. Like I'm in love with that. The Warriors sold me on that for years now. Yeah, and but you did make me hungry saying hot sauce and crab. I feel like I need to go get like a crab <laughs> or something, man. Like, like, yeah, it's like, nice and warm and sunny. Cake. Nice crab weather over here down in down in Melbourne. But um, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, the rotations are, are going to be a juggling act throughout the rest of the season, Nick. And the thing we we advocated for early in the Brooklyn Buzz uh, series is the fact that experimentation. It can't hurt to experiment. Um, you know, we're not the Houston Rockets where we have, you know, this heap of depth and we, you know, we were limited to just playing eight players uh, or Tom Thibodeau in that sense. You know, we've got a glut of players here that want to prove themselves, whether it's proving themselves for their value to be on another team, like a Joe Harris, who's likely to be traded, um, a la uh, Trevor Booker, or if it's like an Alan Crabb who's trying to prove himself so it can be a, a legitimate future piece for us. Um, yeah, and, I mean, all these guys have huge egos. Like, they want to be the best player in the league. Definitely. And I mean, that's, that works well uh, in cases, but at the same time, um, I think with the chemistry that's been created and is, is, continues to be created and molded in the culture, I think it's only going to be a positive thing. And if that communication stays on point, then I think a lot of these players will be willing to swallow their egos because they've said that they would run through brick walls for Coach Kenny. So if Coach Kenny's like, look, I want to see what, how this works one day. I want to see how this works tomorrow. Um, I'd preferably rather see Damari come off the bench just because I think that he would absolutely... understand. Yeah. He, he would feast, though, off second units. Absolutely feast off them with his just his general know-how, his, um, all of his general skill set. Um, whereas Rondé, I, I like just the confidence that he's had in, with that starting unit. And long-term, I think he's going to be our starting power forward, 22, in 10 years' time. We hope five, ten years time. We're hoping Rondé's in that position. By that stage, Demario Carroll's likely to be on um, out of out of the league. So um, it, it's yeah. interesting that balancing out between the now and the future. Exactly, and I think Rondé, you want to you want to leave him the starting lineup too because you want to see if he can be that guy. Like you said, is he yeah. is he going to be our starting power for the next ten years, or is he just going to be a bench player? Like we yeah. need to figure out more about him and where he's at and. It's just a tough position. I think uh, I'm also kind of surprised with the way the centers have struggled so much that the Nets haven't gone super small a little bit more, where they've gone with a, a full-out, you know, Dinwiddie, Levert, Crab, Carroll, Rondé lineup a little bit more. But I, I know we're kind of going late on time, and we want to get out of here a little bit. Jack needs to enjoy Australia a little bit more. So let's talk a little bit of a holiday season. If you We talked about this on the NBA outlet, NBA gifts for, you know, your NBA fans. What would you want as a Nets fan for a holiday gift? As a holiday gift, uh, Nick, I would love to see Alan Crabb to start dominating and have like a big 25, <laughs> 30-point night. 
that would be absolutely gravy for me. Now, I've mentioned gravy more than once, and you know. I could go for some gravy. <laughs> after, our, after our Thanksgiving pod, we, we heard about how much uh, Jack likes gravy as well. So I, know, I, I would love to see uh, him really light it up and sort of get that confidence to sort of boost him into the, to the rest of the year because I think he's just one game away from developing that confidence and developing and having a nice little streak. Yeah, I think one thing for Crab is he almost needs to find his role and like what his niche is. Like he focuses so hard sometimes on shooting threes, he needs to add a counter to that. Like when you're like Kyrie Irving, like he's mentioned, like why he's so great is every like move he has dribbling wise, he has a counter to that move. So whatever you do, he has a counter reaction to that. Crab, on the other hand, when a guy overplays, underplays, it's like he approaches them all the same way, like study tape and find a way to make it work. For yeah. me, Christmas wise, I would like to see uh, my man Karis LeVert start to pick up 30-plus minutes a night. No reason not to right now. Nets are not playing well. Karis LeVert, I would probably make the argument he's been our best player in December. Yeah, I would say and that as well. He easily, easily could be our best player for the entire season if he keeps this up. I just love what he brings. His two-way ability, and it seems like every night he's showing us a flash of something. One night it might be his playmaking the pick-and-roll with Jared Allen. Another night it might be his crossover where he makes somebody fall on the ground. Another night it might be his ability to lock up a Russell Westbrook or a Bradley Beal. So I think Levert, I just want to see more Levert. But if we had to talk yeah. physical gifts, like, you know, your girlfriend buys you a Nets gift, what do you want her to get you? Oh, okay. Um, I'm hoping for a D'Lo jersey. Um, I'd love to get me a D'Lo jersey. And I'm really intrigued to see um, what our sort of, uh, sort of the what was leaked in uh, Sports Illustrated with the 2K jerseys that were online and making the waves. What the Nets one will look like, because I'm a big fan of our statement star one. I've got a Brook Lopez one. Um, Nick, so you know, I need to get me, I need to get me a D'Lo jersey soon enough, or um, I, I don't want to buy Joe Harris because then, like, I, I feel like I'll have the curse that you did with um, yeah. all the Nets players, and he'll just end up leaving me. But I'll still cherish it like my own child. So I'd love to get me a, a physical gift of the D'Lo jersey. I would love a jersey. Obviously, you know, I'm cursed, so I can't do that to the Nets organization or the Nets I'll fans. Do I'll do it for the buzz. Uh, I, I want a D'Lo jersey. I want a Karis LeVert. I've been wanting a Karis LeVert jersey since last season. Probably after I watched him play his rookie game, I was like, you know, I need a Karis LeVert jersey. I was actually really pissed when they had that. Uh, I don't know if you know about this. They had a fan appreciation day over the summer for the Nets website, and they had a ton of stuff like super on sale. I got my Brick Lopez. Obviously, he was traded. No Karis LeVert's available, so I was pissed. Ooh, that is yeah. disappointing. I don't know if maybe that was like fate. And like they're like Nick, you can't buy this jersey. Levert will get traded. So. <laughs> they're deliberately stopping you from doing it, Nick. That's it's that's completely it. Like it can't be any other reason other than that. If you had have got that jersey, Karis Levert would be with like Detroit right now or something. Yeah, there'd be some crazy trade, and I'd be all pissed off. And Karis Levert would be playing great somewhere. So maybe you know God was looking out for us and made that's sure that didn't happen. But uh, one more thing. If oh, actually for my Christmas gift, since I can't say a jersey. The Brooklyn Nets Nike hoodie is straight fire. I mentioned oh, yeah. this on the other pod. The Brooklyn, the one that D'Angelo wore, like before they even got released. I've been wanting that so bad, but I've asked for that for Christmas, but I've been told it's sold out. So oh, yeah. I'm not getting it, even though it's a mean eighty dollars. I would love to get that. I'll probably hopefully get some other nice Nets stuff. But oh, NBA cards are always fun. I don't know about you, Jack, but I I've been starting to get into collecting NBA cards, and Very it's always nice. fun just to. You know, pull out a pack, get a nice rookie, you know, never pull out an autograph card. Funny yeah. enough, I got a box of NBA cards earlier this year. I got a Jalil Okafor jersey card. So it's like a card and has a little piece of the jersey. And to That's myself, cool. I was like, 
shit. Okafor, he doesn't even play. But then he got <laughs> traded to the Nets. So now I'm like, oh, this is cool. Because now I have a I have a Rondé autograph card and I have a Karis LeVert one. So Okafor cool. kind of adds to the collection. Definitely. I've got like three, no, two NBA, two Brooklyn Nets hoodies and one um, one sweatshirt that's got the really cool sort of like old school Christmas cursives style Brooklyn written on it. The, one of those Mitchell and Ness ones. Yeah, Anything yeah. Mitchell and Ness do with Brooklyn is just straight fire, whether it's the snapbacks or whether it's the sweatshirts. Um, but yeah, the the apparel game has just gone to next level. And you mentioned Mitchell and Ness has snapbacks. My One of the first Brooklyn Nets hat I got was a Brooklyn Nets one that just was in cursive on the top. Loved it so much. It re- ended up getting ruined. You know, snapbacks and snaps end up breaking on the back sometimes. Yeah. I, I asked for another one this Christmas. So hopefully I get it. Same exact one. It was Go just on so Santa. nice and I needed it twice. <laughs> yeah, Make Santa Claus. If you're listening, you know <laughs> you know who I asked. But uh, I mean, Santa's, he's got a big journey over him in the next few days, Nick. He's got a, he, he, I'm sure he's downloading plenty of pods for that journey across the world. Yeah, for sure. So, Santa, if you're listening, OTG Basketball, ton of great pods. Obviously, us, Brooklyn Buzz, Jack's Pod, JBT Pod, also the NBA Outlet, Full Access Hoop, Shuttleworth Initiative, Celtics Express, and Players Watch coming soon. I don't a think, lot I don't of think, great listening. Would Santa be able to get through all those in his round-the-world trip, Nick? I, don't, I think there's too much there for him. I don't know. It is a lot. It's a couple hours' worth of basketball talk for you. But if you want to check it out, you know where to go. Jack? Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. We won't be back until after Christmas. So hit us up on Twitter at OTG Basketball. At Simple Mobile, you get the no contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. They lure you in with shiny new phones and then lock you into long-term agreements. But Simple Mobile is different. You can get a 30-day plan starting at $25. You can also get the latest smartphones, or if you have a compatible phone you love, you can bring it. Just text BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. It's the reliability you need when you need it. All on a powerful nationwide 5G network. With no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. All for less money and no contract ever. 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability and coverage and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speed not yet available. Message and data rates may apply. Visit simplemobile.com slash privacy policy for privacy policy. Service plan required for activation. Terms at simplemobile.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.